two weeks ago, we talked about the miracle of change. Um, when pigs fly, you know, when hell freezes over, um, when uh, if I win the Powerball, you know, things that are unlikely to happen, the probability of the improbability happening. And our culture says that people don't change. The Bible does not say that. And we don't believe that. Amen. We believe that people change. We believe that God changes people, and people change for God. Amen? Uh, we believe, uh, last week we said that God uh, uh, still does miracles. Amen? If we don't believe that God does miracles, it's because you think that God's dead. But God is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He's done miracles all throughout Scripture. If you're reading the Word, you'd understand that God wants to do a miracle through you, use you to do a miracle in someone else's life. Amen? Cool. And this week, uh, we're going to talk about the miracle of protection, and next week we're going to talk about the miracle of provision. And uh, I believe that God is doing things all around our life, and uh, you have to learn to believe uh, that miracles happen um, when pigs fly. And um, they happen all the time. Uh, faith, without faith, it is, uh, let me say it again, without faith, it is, wait, hold on, there's some people that are sleeping over here on this side. Uh, without faith, it is to please God. Uh, you cannot please God without faith, according to Scripture. Not according to Tim Broughton, but according to scripture, it's impossible to please God without faith. Faith is a difficult thing, and a lot of times in our life, circumstances would choose to put you in a position where you have a hard time believing that God can do the impossible. Yet, if you choose to believe God, it provokes God, and you can move. What am I saying here? I'm saying that I, I'm hoping that we're raising up an army of people that love God and are doing great things in your community and in our culture. Amen? And in order for us to mobilize and to come alive in God, we have to learn to activate our faith that God is willing, wants to, desires to move in our life and more importantly, in the lives of those around us. Okay. This is going to be hard if we don't work together on this. Otherwise, uh, all of these people here are going to go to sleep, and we don't want them to go to sleep, so you got to work with this, with this uh, funny-looking guy up front here. All right, so uh, uh, the first service, normally, I'm not going to lie, first service is normally my better sermon, but I think today I'm just going to change uh, a lot of the things in the sermon, and I think it's going to be better for you guys today. Yeah, all right, cool. Um, when pigs fly, the miracle of protection. Uh, there's a verse in Psalms uh, something, uh, Lee, Psalms something. Uh, David, my boy David wrote this. He said, the Lord rescues the godly. He is their fortress in times of trouble. The Lord rescues the godly. He is their fortress in times of trouble. Will you read this with me? The Lord rescues the godly. He is their fortress in times of trouble. I have found in my life that circumstances sometimes can make it, make it hard to believe that God can, in fact, rescue people or that he does, in fact, rescue people. Uh, but I know that I don't care where you are in this room with God, whether you are a believer um, for 85 years in Christ or uh, if you are currently an atheist, we are all on a journey with God. And I believe learned that all of you have prayed for deliverance in your life, and I'll prove it to you right now. You ready for this? Even if you're an atheist today, you have prayed this prayer you ever been pulled over by the cops? <laughs> oh, God, I will never speed again if you just get me out of this ticket. Amen? Anyone else here ever pray that prayer? The rest of you are lying. Uh, uh, anyone else here ever pray this prayer? Oh, God, I did not study for this test. I am not prepared for this. God, if you just get me out of this test right here, I promise I will always, right? Anyone else ever? 
Uh, maybe uh, in years ago, so you've never done this before, but maybe years ago, before Jesus uh, changed your life, you were bowed down to the porcelain throne and you were praying, oh God, I'll never drink again. I swear I'll never drink again. Uh, and so, uh, but you did pray for deliverance in your life and God has protected you in many seasons of your life. Some of you, he's protected you from the person, your ex that you were crying that you wanted to marry so badly. And thank God he didn't, he delivered you because if you've seen them on Facebook recently, you would know that it is. Thank you, Jesus. You, yes, save me. You save me, Lord. Okay. Uh, listen, uh, I got some cool stuff, but I, on a serious note, uh, what I've learned is that culture is asking a lot of questions. Does God really exist? And it's hard when you look on social media because the questions that people ask oftentimes are, are in hard moments where there's a lot of questions. And I remember uh, Billy Graham years ago during 9-11, uh, he made a powerful statement. Uh, you know, they, they asked him to get on Good Morning America and they interviewed him during 9-11 and was like, hey, if God exists, why would he let things like this happen? And these are terrible questions, but I know that uh, if the church does and talk about these subjects, then um, it's difficult because the theology can be warped amongst believers because a lot of believers are not prepared for bad things to happen. Uh, but you have to understand that bad things are going to happen to you and to me, and uh, it, it's, it's, it's inevitable. In fact, I'm going to show you it a lot of times in Scripture today, and I was thinking about um, uh, how God does protect so many. In fact, I was reading uh, this week uh, in preparation for this, this sermon about uh, the shooting that happened last year in Parkland, Florida, uh, when 17 people lost their lives. And there were some people that said uh, that phoned home that week uh, to other relatives and said, I'm just so thankful that God protected my daughter in, in the shooting today. And, you know, there are thousands of people who, who got protected during that shooting, right? There were 17 people that God did not protect. And, and that causes a massive shadow on a lot of people. Like, God, where were you in that circumstance? There were 17 other victims that happened in that shooting. There were hundreds of people that uh, to this day will have a hard time getting the images from that event out of their mind. And uh, in the protection that they uh, lost that day, uh, the security of innocence was taken from a lot of them. And, and God, where, where were you? And I want you to know that there's a lot of times in your life where you're going to ask dark questions like that. And, uh, and so today I, I, I was thinking about this. I know one thing, I know that God is able to protect. Amen. There's nothing that God can't do. In fact, Jesus said it last week. He said uh, he was about to go to the cross and he said to his disciples, look, and nothing prevents God from saving. I can dispatch thousands of angels right now to stand here and protect us. In fact, in scripture, there were many times in scripture where we saw that actually happen, where Israel's about to go to war with another, with another nation and all of a sudden, Israel's outnumbered like one to five and then all of a sudden, the enemy looks at this small army that they're about to take on and then there's they're surrounded by thousands of angels they're terrified they fight themselves and run and uh and, and god delivers them nothing prevents god from saving and so uh, as i as i think about this uh today i, I uh, long before you face any problem in your life i want you to know long before you face any problem in your life god already has a plan no matter what circumstance you're up against. Listen, this is not a generic uh, Jeremiah 20, 29, 11, or 20, something like that. You know, you guys don't read your Bible. So uh, what I'm saying is that God has a plan. Long before you ever face any problem in your life, God is trying to use you. And I want you to understand that oftentimes, through crisis, 
God is actually protecting you. In fact, he may be setting you up for a bigger event. Let me say it differently. Through crisis, God is setting you up for a bigger event. This is not often what we want. This is often not what we desire, but it is often what God wants to do through you. And I feel like this is going to be massively important for the development of many people's theology. Because uh, sometimes we are just emotional people that are prisoners of a moment. And uh, I think God wants to set some people free from that today. So uh, long before uh, the rain ever flooded the earth, God planned uh, uh, Noah to be on a boat. Long before he ever threw Jonah overboard, God planned a fish to rescue him. Long before God ever delivered the Israelites uh, from Egypt, he planned to part the Red Sea. And I just want you to know that he's always planned a deliverance for his people. And his people always went through hard scenarios, seasons, years of walking around in the wilderness. Um, and uh, long before some of you today ever found out bad news about your health, God had a plan for you. Once you know, long before some of you ever found out the news that you were going to lose your job, God had a plan for you. Long before you ever suffered the heartache of that relationship, God had a plan. He knows what you're going through. And so today, I'm just curious, maybe some of you would be as bold as to join me. Is there something today that is happening currently in your life, but you don't understand what God is doing? Would you raise your hand? All right, and maybe you'd be as bold as to say that even in this moment right now or in this season, I'm questioning God about some things that God is doing in my life right now. Anyone? Uh, you're a pastor today, I want you to know. Uh, I, I, am, I am the most radical person I know in my faith for Jesus. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. But even in all my passion for Jesus, I still have questions about God, why is this happening? But it's important that we understand that seasons are going to happen in our life. Seasons, you know, like beautiful trees shed their leaves. And then they grow them back. And this is seasons. You're going to go through seasons where there's plenty and seasons where there is lack. And many people will question, oh God, where are you in the lack? Because we think he's only in the plenty. But this is... Not biblical. This is just America. Uh, and so uh, you have to try not to be American for a couple moments and realize that you are citizens of heaven and God is doing some things in your life. He's going to mature you. He's going to mature you. He's going to mature you. Does this make sense so far? Cool. We're going to jump into this. Long before you ever face a problem, God already has a plan. He is the God who is able, that has the power to save. He has the power to commission angels the power to shut the mouths of lions. He has the power to calm raging seas, and he has the power to provide everything that you need. Amen? Amen. Amen. Two of you. I appreciate you, Mel. Thank you for helping me today. <laughs> the miracle of protection. I'm going to go with you guys. If you have your phones, you're going to want to read this story with me today. It's pretty neat. If you have your Bibles, the three of you that bring your Bible to church still, you got high five, you, you guys. Uh, the, actually, I'm seeing a few Bibles here today. This is really wonderful. Uh, and so anyways, uh, Acts chapter uh, 16 today is where we're going to read. I'm going to show you the background a little bit of it. 
Paul is with Silas, and they're on their second missionary journey. And uh, as they're traveling, they're preaching the gospel and seeing people saved. They're seeing people, they're seeing miracles, and they're telling people about Jesus. And as they're traveling, there's this girl that keeps following them. The Bible says that she's possessed by a demon, and that she has the ability to tell people's futures. But she's really just annoying Paul and Silas everywhere that she goes. She's yelling statements about who they are and kind of making fun of them. And she's telling them that the Lord is coming back and that he's doing great things to these people, but she's really just being a distraction and a nuisance. It'd be like if you went to Applebee's today and you were having dinner with someone that you were, maybe it was a business meeting you were trying to talk, and someone just keeps standing next to you and yelling, this guy's really great. He's really, really, really great. Well, after day three of seeing this, Paul and Silas finally just got annoyed and had too much and they cast this devil out of her. Pretty awesome, right? Well, the, this girl actually was a cash cow for someone that actually owned her as part of his property. And uh, he looked at this as a bad scenario, the fact that she uh, wasn't going to be able to perform and make money anymore. So he got frustrated and he went and got a whole lot of people together and they made some accusations against Paul and Silas. And uh, that's where we pick up here in Acts chapter 16. And uh, here, I'm, can we pray? Let's pray. Jesus, Lord, help. Amen. Can't do it without you. Amen. Kill. Acts 22 through 24, it says this. Uh, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them to be stripped and beaten with wooden rods. Wait, what? They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. Wait, what? And the jailer ordered that they, would, that they didn't escape, so the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. This doesn't seem fair. I don't know about you, but when I read this story, I would have a lot of questions for God if this was me. Maybe I'm the only human here, but I would have a hard time wondering why God wasn't blessing me for being obedient to him. Why I wasn't, why people in the city, they were, they were throwing rock or stones at them or they were beating them with rock. I don't understand why they weren't giving me keys to brand new cars and giving me lots of money because I was honoring Jesus this week. Amen. They were suffering persecution because they were doing things right. Paul actually must have been plagued with so many curious thoughts as his body's in massive pain, right? Like your back got thrown out. Bad day today, right? No, no, no. Paul's not back didn't get thrown out. His hip got thrown out. His knee got thrown out. His shoulder, his elbow, his neck, and his face bone got thrown out, all right? Like he's having a rough day, right? And as he looks through one eye over at Silas, uh, and he's, he's got to have a lot of questions. Why? Because Paul was not just a citizen of Jerusalem or Antioch. Paul was a citizen of Rome. So it would be like you walking down Florida Avenue, doing great deeds, picking up trash and carrying old, old ladies' groceries, being a great person that you are. Everything actually went in reverse for Paul because it would be like you got arrested by someone from Mexico and tried for helping a lady carry her groceries. This was an, a confusing thing that he was being charged without any jury, and punished, and then put in jail. I don't know about you, but if I was Paul, I would have a lot of questions about what God was doing in my life in that moment. Some of you have a lot of questions about what God is doing in your life. You feel like you've been stripped of some things. Maybe your pride. Maybe people just don't believe in you, and they don't see the best in you. Sometimes it's easy in life to realize that it's everyone else's fault 
but yours. It's everyone else's fault that you didn't get promoted and no one understands how good you are at your job. It's everyone else's fault. No one believes you or no one sees the great things in you and you've got all this potential and yet no one will hire you. Like it's everyone else's fault that I don't understand why I can't pay my bills or I, I'm broke right now. And maybe it's, it's everyone else's fault that I don't understand why I don't have more money in my bank account because I'm spending way too much. I'm not saving anything, but it's somehow JCPenney's fault because they put the ad in the paper. And it's, but we do this, don't we? Maybe I'm the only one that's honest, that blames everyone else for everything else that's happening in my life. The world has taught us to blame people. This is why we love American Idol, because it's easy to watch and be like, yeah, that person stinks, and that person's not as good as that person. And if I was on that stage, y'all know your pastor would be slaying it on that stage. You know what I mean? And, uh, but we judge people, and we always think that everything should work out for us. And I can only imagine the questions that Paul and Silas would have had if they were in those chains, stripped, beaten, you know, they probably would have said, Paul probably would have, Silas probably looked over at Paul and said, hey, Paul, I'm never doing another journey with you again. This is all your fault. And you know what else? I'm not going back to that church either, Paul. And you know what else? I'm quitting connect groups. I'm never going to another connect group again in my life because this situation stinks. Maybe it's not Paul and Silas, but it is what happens in the American church. Our car breaks down. Where were you, God? Come on. Oh, like cars aren't supposed to break down when we're believers in Jesus. Somehow, all of a sudden, our faith means that our engine runs 80 years longer than everyone else's. Circumstances are going to happen. Your kids don't throw up when you're a believer. I don't know if you know this. Uh, it's just, it's just, they're magically never sick, ever. Uh, this is not biblically accurate. I want you to know. Whoever says, oh, like if you're a Christian, you don't get ill, has never had kids. Uh, because I've learned those kids poop on everything. And then you put them in a new outfit and they'll poop on, not even on the diaper, but they'll poop on the outfit, which is, just makes me angry, you know? And I just, how do you poop on the floor? How did it get there? You had clothes on your body. And it gets you so angry, and it's somehow your wife's fault, you know? Like, this is, like, I don't know. But you get angry at everyone else instead of the situation, and Paul and Silas didn't react like this. Instead, how they did react was they chose to, well, let me take you there in Scripture. The Scripture says, around midnight. Well, that, that's the best part of this whole thing. Paul and Silas, it, it was, if it was 7.30 in the morning, maybe. If it was 7.30 at night, maybe. But at midnight, this joker right here ain't doing none of this about here. I'll tell you right now. I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want my kids to come. My kids come in my room at midnight. I'm telling you right now. I'll tell you one thing. Leave me alone. Go ask your mom. <laughs> oh, praise Jesus. Okay. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They were beaten with rods. They had bruises on their neck bone. Beaten with rods. This doesn't happen. Like if this happened to anyone in America, it'd be all over Facebook. They would be victims upon victims upon victims. But Paul and Silas didn't blame anyone. Instead, they turned to God and started saying, oh, God, you're worthy. Oh, Silas, aren't we so blessed to be here? Naked, chained in the cell, black and blue all over us. And they begin to pray and cry out. 
and the other prisoners were listening. And suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations and all the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. What is a miracle? I don't know if the miracle was that the chains fell off, that the doors were open, or if Paul and Silas learned how to maintain their faith in the midst of craziness. You know what I've learned is that God's doing miracles in our life all the time. Some of us are having maintaining relationship with God through seasons and we recognize them, but some of us don't recognize all the things that he's done. We get stopped by a train and we're angry. We're frustrated. We're, we get asked to get work later than you have to. And you're angry, but you don't know what God just delivered you from because you got stopped by that train or asked to work late. Like, thank God you, weren't, you didn't end up in that relationship longer or thank God you lost that job. Now, if you would, it, now looking back, you can see that God was setting you up. You actually are making more money than you've ever made in your life before. How many of you are making more money in your life right now than you've ever made before in your life? And what if you wouldn't have complained about losing that last job? Which you did. If you would have just said, oh God, it may, may have turned into the breakthrough of where you are now. But some of us forgot how to maintain faith through all of those seasons. Paul and Silas begin to worship. They begin to worship. They didn't blame anyone. They worshiped. Long before you ever had a problem, God had a plan. They went through this terrible, dark, painful situation. Some of you are in a painful situation right now. It may just be mentally. It may be emotionally. It may be physically. But it's painful when you're in it. And sometimes it's hard to see through the pain. But God has a plan long before you had a problem. You have to understand this. And you have to learn these things. It's difficult. And so let me show you this here. The chains fell off. And one of the things that I wanted to learn is that Paul, uh, in, in, he, in Romans, he says that let us, no, it's in Hebrews, I'm sorry. We think it's the author of Paul. He says that let us offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. What is a sacrifice of praise? When is it easy for you to praise? And when is it a sacrifice? I've learned, just like uh, the Israelites in the Old Testament, praise was actually an instrument of warfare. Praise is actually one of the best things you can do in your life. Learn how to sing. Learn how to rejoice. Learn how to lift your eyes a little bit higher above your situation. I know there are moments that you have a bad day, but if you'll learn how to praise, it can change the whole outcome of your situation. I'm not trying to be cute and talk about a story and say that your chains are going to fall off. What I am going to say is that if you can just stop complaining about your marriage... If you can just stop complaining about your boss, what if you begin to thank God for having the boss? There's a lot of people that would love to have that boss. They may be the worst boss, the dumbest boss, the craziest boss, most of but you got to thank God you have a boss. And if you begin to appreciate the relationship, what if the chain's falling off is you worshiping and you valuing the relationship, and then them favoring you because no one else at the workplace actually likes them. And you got promoted. And it all started with you learning to lift your eyes to the Lord and saying thank you. 
But some of us feel like we're a prisoner in a situation where we're a victim to something when God, long before you had a problem, he had a plan. Like this problem is designed to set you up to promotion. And it's not just in this story. It is everywhere in scripture. The people of Israel didn't walk for 40 years in the wilderness to walk for 40 years in a wilderness. No, he was trying to set them up for promotion, to give them a land of milk and honey. Like they were, the whole thing was about being free. You were slaves in Israel, but it was about God wants to deliver you, not to make you a slave again, but so that you would understand blessing. He wants to move in your life. Sometimes we have these situations where we're so short-minded. So anyways, what happens in this situation with Paul and Silas? I have to read it. Let me just, for the sake of time, let me just tell you about it. Paul and Silas, not only did they get set free from prison when they began to worship, and the chains fell off, and there was a great earthquake, and they walked out of jail. No, well, the jailer actually came to them, and they stayed in the cell. And so the jailer goes, man, who, what, who are you? Like, what's, why, you guys are different. How do I get like you? You got to understand, it's not every day. You know what I love? There's some people that go to our church, like Alicia. How many of you guys know Alicia Bardega? I don't know if she's here today. She's something else. How many of you know Miss Cheryl Sheehan? She's something else. She just hugged the snot out of you. She's having the worst day in the world, and she'll never tell you. She'll just come up and squeeze you, and like it makes you just, you want to be around people that learn how to, how to praise and how to have a good attitude. It's people that are just negative, like Eeyore. I'm just just terrible. Everything's awful. Awesome. Yeah, good seeing you. (laughs) I'll see you later. You know, but you want to see people that have a good attitude. And the jailer walks in and they're still in the jail. They leave. And he says, what do I got to do to be like you? God was actually, they put him through pain so he can set the jailer free. The jailer got saved, received Jesus. They went home, took him home. The whole family got saved. The whole family got water baptized. The jailer then makes a meal for the guys. Listen, what if God's taking you through pain for someone else's promotion or deliverance and rescue? It's not about you anymore. When we gave our lives to Jesus, what we were saying was, God, use me. I want to reach people. I want to make a difference in the world I live in. God, I want to help people. There are people crying and going to sleep today, and they're lost and they're broken. Use me. And what happens is if we focus on our situation or the prison that you're stuck in, you're never going to, you can't use you because you think the whole world's about you and your situation. It's not. Everyone in scripture went through hell. This is why they're the legends of our faith. I mean, when you read Hebrews chapter 11 and the great people of our faith, it's person who went through hardship after hardship after hardship. Let me tell you about our apostle Paul. Shipwrecked. Like, dude, shipwrecked. It's not like you got in a car accident. Imagine getting in a car accident in the middle of the ocean and then having to swim back to land. That's a problem. You know what I mean? We went boating this week, so me and my friends, we had to drive a boat back two hours, and I thought that was miserable. Imagine having to swim back. You know what I mean? Like, this is a problem. Uh, Paul, he was stoned. Not, not, not in the modern day stone. <laughs> he was beaten with rods. They said he was left out in the cold for sleepless nights and long nights and without any, any clothes. He was imprisoned again and again and again. 
And he was faithful to Jesus. Like this is the reward for him honoring God. Yet God used him again and again and again and again. And I don't know about anyone else. And maybe it's just because I'm a pastor. But the cry of my heart is that God would use me to touch people. All I want is God, I want to reach people. I want to be there in their broken moment when their marriage is condemned. I want to be there when they're on rock bottom and they're confused and they don't understand if they're going to live anymore and they, don't understand, they want purpose in their life. God, put me into people's paths that are crying for God to have a miracle in their life. And you got to, if that's the cry of your heart, you're going to have to understand that God's going to take you through some seasons to identify. Because if you've never been through hell, you ain't never going to relate to the other person who is. But I've been through some stuff. And I get a feeling that it may get worse. But I know it's going to get better. And it may get worse. And then it may get better. And this is life. It's the seasons of life. But some of us can't navigate the forest through the trees. Like we can't see all we do is everything. I just feel like God abandoned me. One point I want you to know today is long before you ever had a problem, God had a plan. The second thing I want you to know today is, is pretty simple. Sometimes God's eternal purpose don't align with our temporary plans. Sometimes God's eternal purposes don't align with our temporary plans. And so I'm thinking all through scripture of all the people that had difficult hardship. Abraham, praying for years. He's 90 years old when he has a son. First of all, 90 years old. Like, that's awful. Like, I'm 30. I was 30 when I had one of my kids. Like, I ain't gonna tell you how old when I have my last one. Like, I feel old. Like, I'm too old to be chasing these kids around. Imagine if you're 90 and you have your first kid, you know? Golly, you wanna talk about being worn out. These kids are, they got energy. God took them through some stuff. And I think about the people of Israel and people were slaves. You know, there's this really great story here. Let me read you this. It's, uh, I'm gonna go to, if you have your Bibles, Daniel chapter three. It was the song that we sang earlier today. Uh, the, the worship team doesn't like the song a whole lot. I love it. Micah, it's his favorite song right now. And so if, I don't know if you guys saw, but my son came in here and worshiped with me earlier today. And so listen, you're gonna play that for the next month and a half. If, if my son's worshiping, we're gonna sing that song again and again. But he's been struggling with some things in his life. And what I'm so grateful for is his first theology lesson that he learned is that God is never gonna leave him. In fact, when he was in pain and he was crying and he was having surgery on his teeth, he knocked his teeth out the other day and he was in a massive amount of pain. And uh, he asked the dentist if he can play another in the fire standing next to me. Another in the water holding back the sea. Man, that's cool. God, that you're with me when my teeth are knocked out laying on the floor, you know? But some of us need to know that God's there. Listen, this Daniel chapter three, verse 16 through 18. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, otherwise known as Shack, Rack, and Benny, right? To the, those that knows VeggieTales. The chocolate bunny that, uh, y'all, y'all never seen it? All right. You will. You got kids. You'll, you'll, get, you'll get that chocolate bunny episode. It's the best. The bunny, the bunny. Oh, I love the bunny. I don't. All right. Anyways. So uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were, um, they were a part of Israel. And Israel, Israel the, there was a, uh, an army that came against Israel, destroyed the nation, raped women and children, and took 
people as slaves. And so here are God's greatest servants. They're now slaves in another nation. That's confusing. But long before God ever had a problem, you ever had a problem, God had a plan. And it's hard when you're in the situation to see, God, what are you doing? This is what the Bible, there was a nation would rise up and nation would fall. Nation would rise up, nation would fall. And God was constantly still with his people in the midst of all those seasons in life. He is never gonna leave you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to King Nebuchadnezzar that demanded that they bow down and worship this image that he erected of himself. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you've set up. And as the story would go on in Daniel chapter 3, uh, they would be thrown into the fire. And in the fire, what we find is that the three guys found another walking in the fire with them. And they said that Jesus was walking around in the fire with Rashak, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, when they came out of the fire, their chains were off. They weren't burnt one bit. They didn't even smell like smoke. Not a hair on their head was singed. And there was a miracle of God's deliverance. Daniel, we find that God shut the mouths of the lions. And Jesus, we found that not only, yes, he died, but he was gloriously resurrected. There are many situations in life where in the short-sightedness, it looks awful. How can I lose that job? How can I lose that girl? Or how can I get that call about cancer or whatever the health bill is? It can be massively suffocating. And God, where are you? And I'm not gonna say that the question isn't fair, but it's not the right question. There's people in scripture that ask the same question. Here's what I want you to know. God never promised that he would defend you or protect you always, but he did promise that he would never leave you. And he did promise that he would always save you. That doesn't sound like hope, Tim. What do you mean? You're talking about miracle of protection. I thought God's always going to protect me. He is. Just his protection looks different. Let me tell you a story real quick about a, a, a heroic woman that I know personally. Her name is Melba. Several years ago, uh, Melba had a son, and uh, she was one of the youth leaders at the church that I was at. And uh, Melba had a son who was 16, and he was driving out with some friends, and they were all in different cars, and they were driving out one night. And Melba got a phone call late one night that um, her son had been in a, in a car accident and uh, he had died at the hands of a, of a drunk driver. And uh, I don't know if you can understand the pain in the moment when her son did nothing wrong and somebody who made a stupid decision took her son from her. Melba, unlike anyone else I'd ever met in my life, loved God in just the crazy, most gentle way. She went to the jail where, they, where the, uh, the drunk driver had been the next day. And she actually got a sit down with the young man. They say that this is not allowed, but Melba had to get to him and she prayed that God would 
give her an opportunity. In that meeting, she wanted the young man to know that she forgave him for making the bad decision to drink and drive that night that would forever take her son from him. She wanted him to know that she didn't take her son from him because her son knew Jesus and that her son was gonna live forever with Jesus and that God had a plan for this young man who was a drunk driver that night and that God could give him a forever as well if he was to turn his life around and serve Jesus. What's crazy is in that woman's greatest fear, she acted in a way where she could have very easily blamed him for the rest of her life for doing every parent's greatest fear. But instead, her bravery, she praised God and she found an opportunity to reach out to someone and eternally make a difference in someone's life. That kid gave his life to Jesus. He did go to jail. And I understand that he served God throughout his entire term. I don't know where he is now. But I thank God for Melba's faith in the darkest hour of her life. And here's what I know. Many people can look at a situation and say, well, what about 9-11 and all the people that died? And what about the 17 kids that died in Parkland? And what about this school shooting or this car accident or this, you know, what happens when a little baby dies? It's dark, it's difficult, and it's hard to understand. I'm not gonna tell you that it's, that it's easy. I'm a pastor, and I pray with people all the time who've lost their lives or lost a family member. Here's what I do know. This life is but three years, 30 years, 90 years long. God does protect. Sometimes he walks in the fire with us. Sometimes he'll save your marriage. Sometimes he'll promote you and give you a better job. He'll upgrade you and give you the most hot wife you've ever seen in your whole life. But sometimes the way he saves is he actually just gives you eternal life. I don't know if you know much about the scripture. Most of the disciples were murdered because they loved God. I don't know if you understand this, but you know, Mother Teresa, she died. Billy Graham, he died. One day he got bad news, says, hey, look, man, it's not looking really good for you. You're gonna die. Martin Luther, he died. Uh, yeah, John G. Lake, he died. Uh, you, you, you name them, we're all gonna die. But I'm so grateful that the God that walks with me, who said he would never leave me or forsake me, is gonna be in every dark season of my life with me. He's gonna give me the strength to endure the season that he's walking with me through, and he's gonna give me the other side. What I love so much about the promise of Jesus, it's unlike anyone else can ever do. If, if, if there's nothing else you hear today, hear this. Maybe my son's last year on earth will be this year and he'll only live to be nine years old. I'm not gonna pretend that that's not gonna be a dark moment for me. But I'm so ecstatic about the promise that God extends to my son that he can live for an eternity and I can be in that place with him. And some people in the momentary can only see the life of four years, five years, or see cancer or see something else. But I want you to understand that God's promise to protect you I'm so grateful that it extends past your pride. It extends past your bank account. And it extends past your health. It extends to an eternal place that no one else can reach. 
God does want to move in your life, and he does want to use the difficult seasons of your life to reach the people around you. You may not be able to endure that right now, but I promise, whatever you're going through today, you're gonna look back in five years and think that it really wasn't a big deal at all. And there will be other problems that are gonna be difficult also. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people that don't understand hardship. But this is what our Apostle Paul said. You know, the Apostle Paul was delivered from prison once, twice, three times, and then he wasn't. The Apostle Paul, the leader of our, one of the great chiefs of our faith, died in prison. And that had to have been confusing because he's seen God deliver him again and again and again and again and again. And I'm not trying to say, I want you to understand, I believe in miracles far more than anyone else I know. I'm currently living, believing for a miracle in my own life. And sometimes he won't. And I think of Rashak, Meshach, and Abednego when they say, even if he doesn't, I still am not gonna bow to the things of this world. Right. I don't know where you are in your faith, but you're gonna go through some hard times. Sometimes you're gonna feel alone. But it's God that walks with you in the fire. It's God that is escorting you through every season of your life. And you gotta understand, he loves you more than anyone in this world. So Paul wrote most of the New Testament being faithful, being a good citizen, and a good human being. Found himself in prison multiple times and wrote most of the New Testament while in prison. He said things like this, count it all joy when you fall on different trials. Wait, what? He said things like, um, I have to read it because I forgot what he said. He said, uh, delight in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. He said, even if, uh, he said, we should rejoice in our suffering and even if I'm poured out like a drink offering. He said, we'll always rejoice in God. In Romans chapter eight, verse 28, he said, for we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. He, I love this. In Romans chapter eight, he said, for who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine, nakedness, danger or sword? Many of us in this room, we love Jesus. But if we experience nakedness, we would feel like God abandoned us. If we experienced danger, we would feel like God abandoned us. If we experienced persecution, even if it came on Facebook, we would feel like God abandoned us. Like the whole world is out to get, get me. But didn't Paul say, if God be for us, then who could be against us? I think some of us have a small God and a big world that we're living in. And if we learn the power of praise, we can learn that God is much bigger than any situation you're actually going in. Actually, your situation is very small and very limited, but your God is limitless and very, 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 very big. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So here's how I wanna end this thing. Deb, would you come back? Our God promises that he would always be with you and he would never leave you nor forsake you. Is there anyone here today in, in this room? Uh, it, this is all of us. You're in a situation, and it's hard. Emotional, physical, or mental. Would you raise your hand right now? Fantastic. And then you have questions about God right now. Will you raise your hand? 
Not, maybe not about God. Maybe it's for God. Hey, God, why? Where are you at? How long? When are you going to? How's it going to happen? Me too. But it's a season, and ultimately it doesn't matter. What we have to figure out is if we're going to be radical for Jesus, and if we're going to make a difference in this world, we have to learn how to take our problem, praise the Lord in the problem, so this world understands, man, there is something different about these people. These people don't complain when things are hard. So, Paul, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. When you get a tire, a flat tire, start just thanking God. When your car don't start, just start thanking. When your kid throws up in the back seat, oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> and people will look at you like, who are you, man? What's wrong with you? God is so good. I'm so thankful my kid's alive. I'll take them being sick because I know they're going to be healthy. This is just a moment. Don't be prisoner of the moment that isn't good. 